Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast for July 30th, 2019. I'm your host, David Dole, and uh, on today's show, I'm going to play my discussion with Michael Brooks on The Michael Brooks Show. So he had me on a couple weeks ago. I want to uh, share that with the uh, podcast audience. And I also want to give an update since I haven't uploaded anything in uh, at least several weeks. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly to do with this podcast. Now, I know there are people out there that, I guess, enjoy listening to my YouTube segments um, in audio form. I don't know how many of you exist, really, (laughs) but I guess I can continue doing that. It's just... At the same time I'm doing this, I've also launched Twitch at a twitch.tv slash The Rational National. And, you know, that, in addition to doing YouTube videos, in addition to the podcast, it, I mean, I, I need to hire somebody is kind of what I'm trying to get at here. Um, I, uh, I'm not set up yet to really hire anybody, but that's what I need to do because this is, there's too many different platforms I want to be on. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm underserving one audience at, you know, whenever I, I, I have to uh, produce content or this much content for these many different, for, for a variety of audiences, somebody's going to be underserved. And right now, unfortunately, the podcast audience is the one, are the ones being underserved. But um, I don't want to, uh, you know, continue doing that. I want to deliver you real solid content on a consistent basis, whether it's just my YouTube segments in audio form or whether it's me actually you know, recording a podcast that's unique to the podcast audience. I will uh, continue to, f- to to figure this out, work this out. And um, yeah, so here is my uh, discussion with uh, Michael Brooks on The Michael Brooks Show, where we discuss Canadian politics. Welcome to the TMBS live stream. We are live with our Canadian comrade, David Dole. He's the host of The Rational National. For whatever reason, you haven't subscribed over there yet. Go do that as soon as this is over. David, how you doing? I'm awesome, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's great to be speaking with you. This has been a long time coming. Yep, it has. Um, so you're going to tell us about Canadian politics tonight. I guess the yes, first, I am. The, the first question I have for you, David, and no offense, is there... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I feel like I... You know what's funny is we've gotten this reputation of not doing Canada coverage, but we've actually done a decent amount. We even did a an illicit history of Canadian politics with Luke Savage, who's a great That's journalist right. there. I heard that. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it, by the way, it turns out that you guys aren't as nice and fluffy as you have the brand. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I also get shit for not doing enough Canadian politics. And well, right. I, I mean, <laughs> because I'm mean, sorry to break balls, but you have an interesting channel. So how much Canadian <laughs> politics? Oh, well, I mean, shots fired. The thing is, like, yeah, I'm Canadian. Sure, I ran as a Green Party candidate in 2015. But that doesn't mean that I need to be, you know, stuck to just one country. And, you know, <laughs> here's the reality. For me, America is so fucked up right now that it's tough for me to focus on Canadian politics and look, we have our issues, of course, in Canada, but America has some serious problems. So it just it's it's always 
American politics has always been uh, more alluring to me than than Canadian politics has. That said, I do think it's important to uh, touch on these issues now and then, and that's why I'm here. Yeah, of course. And we actually will, all kidding aside, we, we've got another program planned as we, as we move forward closer to these Canadian elections that they might be in the fall, in October? Yeah, so um, the election hasn't been called yet, but... Uh, it, very likely it'll be October 21st is when uh, election day will be. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, right now it's it's not looking too great for for left politics in in Canada. So we currently have a uh, a liberal majority, uh, obviously through the the Trudeau government, but it's it's a liberal majority that answers to a conservative opposition. And the way it's, I mean, the the way the polls are looking right now. It appears as though we're going to end up with a minority government, either a liberal uh, minority or a conservative minority, which actually, I mean, in the case of a, a liberal minority, it would actually be beneficial for the left uh, more so in that scenario than it would be for a liberal majority again, because we would actually have more of a say through the NDP and the Greens. And there's also the potential that um, there could be a coalition now. Canada historically has not been uh, too big on, on coalition governments. But having said that, if we're in a situation where the conservatives uh, win a minority, mm -hmm. then there is the, a good potential there that Trudeau will try to uh, strike a deal with the, the NDP and potentially the Greens as well to try and, uh, and form government. So, so before I mean, we – all right, yeah. so, so let's move it – actually, I mean, not before. Let's, let's move it backwards a little bit and let's – sure. I want to talk about the main parties. I want to talk about whether or not there's a right wing that's because I, I mean, part of the reason, look, one, it's obviously Canada's next to, you know, a superpower whose <laughs> reach hits every part of the globe, obviously. <laughs> and then yeah. I think the other thing is like, and, you know, with our politics, this is obviously not a compliment by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like, in addition, you have like an Obama style government while the united states your superpower neighbor is you know kind of doing full-on clown fascism with concentration camps but that yeah. being said i mean and then i want to so i want to talk about the main parties i want to talk about the right and then i want to see if there's like any kind of um you know activists sort of grassroots perspective that's worth uh touching on uh separate from electoral politics as well but sure. i guess before we get to all of that i mean briefly like I have an extremely negative impression of Justin Trudeau, and is he as bad as people like me would think? Uh, I mean, yes and no. And the, okay, it, it's it's so hard. I mean, me as somebody who covers American politics so much and is always seeing what what Trump's putting out there, it's it's hard for me to have the perspective that that Trudeau is as is as terrible in this time. Mm -hmm. simply because of what we see going on in other countries. Now, that said, uh, I think you made the, the correct comparison there, uh, comparing Trudeau to, to Obama, because that's the fear here, is Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party is, is very much a, uh, a, a centrist, center-right uh, kind of party, and it doesn't help that you have the conservatives in the opposition pulling them in, in that direction. And that kind of scenario, I mean, in the U.S., it led to to right-wing populism. Um, luckily here, we don't necessarily have that that uh, the, that risk here simply because 
the one party that may kind of represent a, a Trump-style politics is the People's Party of Canada with uh, the leader, Maxime Bernier, and there's just no hope for that party to, to form any sort of power. Um, but that said, I mean, the Conservative Party in Canada, I mean, we had 10 years of a Conservative government in Canada before Trudeau came in. And that shift, I mean, I remember back in 2015 when, when Trudeau won, we were actually, uh, I felt happy. I, right. I was excited. Well, Stephen we had, Harper was a hard right government, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was even getting to the point where where the conservative government was was muzzling uh, scientists. Yeah. So scientists had to essentially go through uh, all these checks in order to actually respond to questions from the press. That's so crazy. It, We'd never do anything like that here. <laughs> well, exactly. Right. But it, it was getting to that point, and and um, so when Trudeau came into power. There was sort of this hope in the air that that things were going to change, and in some ways it kind of did. I mean, it went back to a a status quo that was at least more palatable for uh, a lot of people on the left. But then we go into, I mean, the the list of broken promises um, is just, I mean, whether it's on on uh, fossil fuels and continuing uh, to uh, to issue fossil fuel subsidies. I mean. The Trudeau government promised to end fossil fuel subsidies, really take a, a, a real um, a, a solid position on climate change. They never really did, and they ended mm -hmm. up buying a $4.5 billion pipeline uh, mm -hmm. from Kinder Morgan, uh, which they, they plan to expand. There's also the broken promise on electoral reform. So electoral reform, there was this, I mean, Trudeau campaigned on this day in, day out, on how this will be the, the last election where we have a first-past-the-post system. And then because, I mean, I have to assume, because they won a majority government on this first-past-the-post system, they completely broke that promise on electoral reform. And we continue to have a, a system where the Trudeau government formed a majority government with 40% of the vote. And most majority governments are formed with less than half of the vote. And to me, that, that doesn't make any sense. So when we're looking, I mean, going forward, this is a part of the reason why, again, a minority government is actually hopeful for us because the NDP and the Greens would have more of a say in a minority government than in a majority government. So when you have a majority liberal government, there is very little say from the actual left. Meanwhile, the, the, liberal, uh, the liberal party gets to pretend to be the left in the country when they simply aren't. And so, and Trudeau, and just, and I'm, and I know, like on foreign policy, I mean, there's been arms sales to the Saudis, though he obviously mm -hmm. pissed the Saudis off, but he still sold weapons to them. Yep. I know that you know, Krista Freeland, the foreign minister, was quite eager to meet with Bolsonaro, and the same yep. dynamics in Brazil that are with U.S. corporate interests apply to Canada as well, and you know, in Venezuela, and the same kind of general. Uh, you know, Canada has a very underappreciated role in exploiting the Caribbean, so nothing good there. And I'm assuming mm -hmm. on sort of like, you know, has he bumped funding for the health service or anything like that? I mean, is that just that's just been sort of like not great, but not taking cuts to it? Yeah, it's it's sort of just kind of again, it's it's been status quo. So got it. We, we, like it, in this country, we don't have a universal pharmacare system or or dental care for that matter. And this is something that the uh, the NDP is is now going to run on, and um, the liberals will will try to. So they're they're sort of going to be a a half measure in terms of their um, position on on pharmacare. It sounds like it'll be sort of semi universal in a way. We're going to have to see how, how they how they uh, roll that out, but it's these half measures, and it's it's sort of what 
I mean, I liken it to the, the Democratic Party uh, as it currently stands in, in America, where mm -hmm. they they are treated as though they are, you know, the left, as, a, as though they are actually listening to, you know, uh, workers, whether it's labor rights or what have you. But they don't. And I mean, another example of this was the SNC-Lavalin scandal, where you have this yeah. this massive Quebec-based uh, multinational that were up on fraud and corruption charges, and the AG in in Trudeau's cabinet, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, was pushing to to uh, to prosecute them. But Trudeau, it, it eventually came out. Trudeau's uh, office was pushing for a deferred prosecution agreement, which essentially would let them off with a slap on the wrist, and. This is again showing you, and, and and this is a company that's given the Liberal Party uh, thousands in in donations, mm -hmm. has had a very close relationship with the with the Liberals. So again, it's it's this sort of this um this public facing, oh we're with the people, but then behind the scenes, what's actually happening is this is just like your typical neoliberal party, and yeah. And so when and just briefly, when it comes to the conservatives, you said that the actual main conservative opposition is not running a Trump style campaign. Then you have what did you call it the uh the popular what is it the popular um, the people's party the of Canada. people's party of Canada which by the way Matt tells me is another former uh Dave Rubin guest. So yeah, I can only yeah. imagine how horrible that person <laughs> exactly. is. Uh but what about the um so maybe elaborate on like the conservative the Andrew Shear I think his name is. But what about the Ford uh uh, faction isn't that the the progressive conservative party and are they only powerful in like a specific state or province? So yeah, so um, Doug Ford and his uh, his PC party, the, the progressive conservative party, they hold power in Ontario. So uh, Doug Ford essentially, I guess in in American terms, is like a a governor of Ontario. Okay. Um, so that's that's where the the PCs uh, currently hold power. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> Doug Ford is sort of the the uh, I guess potential extreme to where uh, Andrew Scheer could potentially um, end up if he were to somehow form a government, and we're talking I mean cuts to public services, cuts to healthcare, cuts to cuts to autism, um, labor uh, uh, pulling back labor reforms. I mean, we were going to have a raise in the minimum wage here, as well as uh, two extra uh, sick days in in Ontario, and Doug Ford rolled that back. I mean. That was on the books. It was going to happen, and he stopped it from happening, while at the same time also giving a tax break to the uh, the wealthiest people in uh, in Ontario. And again, this is and this is a guy who ran on a campaign of for the people. That was his slogan for the people. So Doug Ford very much in 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 uh, in some ways is kind of like a, a Donald Trump mm -hmm. uh, type figure. He's also attached himself to uh, to Donald Trump. He's complimented Donald Trump in the past. I mean, this is a guy who's, I mean, he's so toxic now that he's actually taking extra time off in the fall so that he won't have to be viewed as uh, 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 an appendage of the conservative party. So his so polls he, are plummeting because he's oh, yeah. been so bad. But what about like, and Andrew Scheer, the main of the main conservative party, I guess from what I've read, it, it seems like he's actually kind of saying like, he, he seems like he's almost taking more of a track of like David Cameron back in like 2009 or in 2008 when he was initially taking on labor in the UK and kind of saying like, well, I'm not necessarily like, we're going to do some things about the environment, but they'll just be slower and, you know, and, and, and so on and so on kind of almost seeming to like sort of brand himself as a moderate, 
which is, you know, yeah. obviously there's little political space if he's doing that, considering that the that Justin Trudeau's liberals are so far to the right anyways. But what about that in the context of the fact that, you know, there's really just like in the United States and it's and, and some of it are like the exports from Canada, that there is a very hard, extreme, xenophobic far right in Canada as well. Like what how does yeah. that fit into the election? So Sheer is trying to play both sides. Okay. So he's trying to play the that moderate voice. Um, but at the same time, he's also uh, engaging in sort of um, anti-immigrant uh, rhetoric, but but less less in your face than than Maxime Bernier. I mean, Maxime Bernier. If you go through that guy's uh, Twitter account, there's transphobia, uh, uh, comments about refugees, immigrants. ideas. Yeah, ideas exactly. A lot of ideas. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who's. Who he, he was almost he, he came so close to becoming the conservative leader uh, of the conservative party um, that I mean, at the time, he, he appeared to be more like a, uh, a libertarian type ish uh, candidate for the, uh, the conservative leadership and wasn't engaging in that sort of rhetoric. But then after he he left the conservative party to, to form his own party, I think he's he's recognized this this rising xenophobia and he's trying to uh, attach himself to that which potentially um may peel some votes off from the conservative party we haven't seen it yet in the polling i mean the people's party is polling down around like one percent mm -hmm. so it's it's not clear yet if uh once the actual you know campaigning starts if he's going to be able to peel a, a, away some of those votes i think he will um i think once he gets on tv a lot more he's going to get a lot more uh attention and be able to get some of those votes i mean just to go on maxine bernie for a second he was just pictured with a uh members of the i think it's the the northern uh i forget their their exact name but they're they're members of the the soldiers of odin serious far right hate yeah. group yeah so he did these a, people, okay right yeah so i mean these are people that are showing up to his to his rallies so i mean it, th this is why people dub his party the white people's party and not just the people's party of canada because that's what he represents he rents the he represents this this hatred um this i guess this uh this faction of of hateful white people and uh he's trying to ride on that and while sheer has been vocally against that in some instances yeah, we have a photo up here this is maxine Bayer, bernier photograph of members of an alleged hate group in calgary uh and of course we would say they are a hate group they're actually one of them is uh, throwing up the, uh, the okay sign. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that is. Wonder, I'm always told, yeah, Beverly Hills, Eddie Murphy threw that in Beverly Hills Cop, so it can't be white supremacist because he <laughs> did that in the 1980s. I, I get it, guys. It's very clever. All right, go yeah, ahead. So yeah, so those are members of the, uh, the Northern Guard. So it's an offshoot of the Soldiers of Odin hate group. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is, this is who he's, I mean, going for that vote, uh, in, in a more obvious way, whereas Andrew Shear is trying to downplay it and and be a little more careful with his language He's around Mitt immigration. It. Yeah, I, I, exactly. So it, it's like I don't really understand his supporters. I, I don't because the Liberal Party is essentially what the Conservative Party should be, and the People's Party of Canada is where all that hatred is. So at the the Conservative Party is just—it's sort of a party for a lot of people, as the the vote where 
if they want change, say, say you're a liberal voter and you don't really pay too close attention to politics, but you don't like Trudeau, you may vote for Andrew Shears conservatives because they are the, the, the official opposition. They have the greatest potential to form government apart from the liberal party. And it's it means change in some way. So I think that's where a lot of his vote comes from. Just people that are really not as engaged in in politics right now, um, because otherwise, I mean, in terms of ideology, I don't really understand where they fit. What about the NDP and Jagmeet Singh? Uh, there, my understanding is that that's the social democratic alternative. Um, yep. I guess his leadership. I I actually just had a patron actually send me a copy of his book, which I actually read. Uh, believe mm. it or not, so I should be getting a lot of Canadian politics credit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. But it's actually it's a very. Um, I, I I've I've had a, my uh, life. I've had some some people that have been. Uh, very close to me uh, in the well, not in Can Canadian, but the American Sikh uh, community who are who had been from the Punjab, and that's where his background is. He has a is a pretty compelling life story. I mean, there's some parts in the book that are you know there's as a little bit like my sort of radar of like a, a kind of self serving political autobiography is obviously there, but there's a lot of things that seem really appealing about him as a leader. Uh, the NDP is, I mean, my understanding is that they're, they're, they're really a bold plan on pharmaceutical care. Uh, yep. what, why are they not catching fire? Or, or are they actually doing well? Like, what's going on with them? Well, it, I mean, simply basing this off, off the way the, the polling looks right now, they're sort of in the, the mid-teens, whereas mm. you have the uh, the liberals and the conservatives sort of uh, switching top spots around 33, 35%. So, yeah, the, I mean, a large part of the reason why they haven't really caught on, at least yet, I mean, there is the potential that, again, once the campaigns actually start, that uh, once these, these leaders are seen on TV more often, there'll be some shifts in, in how people uh, intend to vote. But um, it's simply the fact that uh, be, because... Because we have a a system where, sure, we have multiple parties, but you still have an uh, an opposition party and and a uh, a party that that leads. The focus when it comes to n news is simply on the liberals and the conservatives, and a lot of people just aren't aware of what Jugmeet Singh is about, aren't aware of what the NDP plans to do. And even though I mean, everyone knows that the NDP exists, but because they they don't have the the exposure uh, in in media as much as the other two parties, I think that's hurt them. Um, mm. I also think there is sort of a strain. I mean, Jagmeet Singh is the first visible minority leader of a major party in Canada. I think there is a strain of people that just aren't used to that, and to them that they, they don't understand it, and that's also going to hurt uh, uh, Jagmeet Singh's uh, potential to to. Um, to grab some attention, but I think once the campaigning starts, he's going to be able to get uh, over a lot of that, uh, uh, those unknowns where people aren't quite sure uh, what Jagmeet Singh and the NDP is about. I mean, this is a party that's that's based in in labor rights. I mean, based in the labor movement, mm -hmm. based in democratic socialism. You have a uh, Tommy Douglas was the uh, the first leader of the NDP. He's the the father of universal health care. Uh, Tommy Douglas was voted the greatest Canadian of all time, uh, and during a, like this massive national event in the early 2000s. So you have a lot of uh, a lot of history there with the NDP and and labor rights and um, and healthcare. That I think the potential here for Jagmeet Singh is there to sort of bring that back 
and really become a true left party? Because in 2015, Tom Mulcair, the, the former leader of the uh, the NDP, he, in, in some ways, at least rhetorically, was campaigning more to the to the right of Justin Trudeau. Mm -hmm. So he, he, was, he was campaigning on balanced budgets as opposed to Trudeau, who was campaigning on uh, deficit spending. So you have Jagmeet Singh now, I think, potentially willing to kind of invigorate uh, that left be with uh, universal pharmacare, um, affordable housing, labor reforms, uh, like making it easier to to, uh, to join a union, um, banning the use of uh, replacement workers in labor disputes, having a federal minimum wage of 15 bucks an hour. So you have all of these um, uh, these potential policies here, a, a fair tax system, including a 1% a wealth tax on wealth over 20 million. So mm -hmm. there is the potential here to finally give the, the left uh, left voters a true choice in this election. And um, my hope is, I mean, part of the, the sell here has to be that the NDP can't necessarily play to the expectation that they are going to win. I mean, the way it looks right now, there is, uh, unless things completely uh, shift around, there is a almost a zero, I mean, a very small chance that the NDP will be the... Uh, the party that that ends up with the the most seats here, but what they can play to is the potential for a, a coalition government or for working with another party, say the Liberal Party, um, and and being the the left voice in that scenario and having more power in in that scenario where where you have a potential coalition government or a government where you have a liberal minority but propped up by the NDP and the Greens. And um, having the liberals answer to to a left wing as opposed to answering always to uh, to conservatives. I have so, a yeah. yeah. I, no, I mean I want to get to a kind of structural question about that. We only, we have a few minutes left, but I mean first then let's get to the greens. Am I? That's the last part I want to ask you about. And I, I just sure. a quick two part question. So I know you were a candidate for the greens. I'm not sure where you are now in terms of you know who you're leaning towards in this election. I've studied the greens a little bit. Uh, globally. And what's funny is, you know, in the United States, I, I mean, I have a lot of criticisms of, of the Greens as electoral project. I just don't, I mean, it's just not set up for that in the United States. And for whatever mm -hmm. reason, there hasn't been, um, you know, uh, there was actually more success in the Green parties locally in the United States uh, like a decade ago. There was actually a guy uh, elected, I think, to the state legislature in Maine, as an example. There was a better performance then. So that's, you know, that's kind of one thing. In mm -hmm. Europe, where the Greens have g gained power and where in some places they're, you know, like in Germany, they're arguably ascendant. I mean, they certainly were the kind of main alternative vote getter to the right uh, in the last European parliamentary elections. Uh, that, that they have sort of pivoted from more of a sort of like eco almost like i mean the origins in germany as far as i understand was like this kind of anti-politics party with a kind of uh there was a strong anarchist flavor to it a lot of kind mm. of anti-authority and institution of all kinds uh then there was certainly a conservatism uh which i think we always have to sort of be aware of with eco-romanticism and the conservative even fascist kind of zone mm -hmm. of that particularly in europe but now, I mean, a lot of green parties in Europe are kind of centrist forces. Um, you know, they're the sort of like, you know, more analogous to like the Democratic Party or the Liberal Democrats. Obviously, they, they still are certainly better on green and the environment, which is 
really important, but it's definitely mm -hmm. usually a green capitalism. It's it's not friendly to labor. It's um, you know, it's kind of upper middle class urbanite voting, which is you know, and and even in other areas, they've been willing to actually indulge in xenophobia. So in Canada, mm -hmm. what? Is I mean I know obviously the Greens are going to have a serious left contingent if you were a candidate for them, but mm -hmm. this is the second part of my question. Apparently they're polling better than they've ever had before, and as part of being a serious presence, they've gotten themselves a serious political consultant yeah. who's very controversial. Uh, well, you yeah. know what's going on? Who are they? What are they about? Yeah. So uh, in 2015, the Green Party was was viewed as I would say the 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 far left party. Um, mm -hmm. That's when. Uh, when I ran and it, it does seem now with this new hire. So uh, they just hired Warren Kinsella. Uh, he's a, uh, a high profile political strategist, uh, he, sort of the so he's a self-proclaimed. This is what he calls himself, the Prince of Darkness of Canadian politics. Um, and he leans center right. I mean, this is a guy who this guy donated to Doug Ford, donated over a thousand dollars to Doug Ford just a few months ago. Hmm. Doug Ford. And and now he's going to be a uh, a I mean a part of of the Green Party here and and their strategy for for this election. So, I mean, this is I'm very curious to see what the Green Party does uh, this election cycle because I now that they have this hire, I mean, this is a guy who he worked with uh, Jean Chrétien's uh, liberals in the '90s, sort of the, the you know '90s era centrism and austerity. Mm -hmm. um, he criticized the. The coalition government of the BC uh, NDP and Greens. Um, he even actually, in 2016, uh, the Green Party passed a BDS resolution, and at that time, Kinsella wrote a, a piece urging Elizabeth May, the Green Party leader, to quit the Green Party leadership and call BDS activists, or he called BDS activists, lunatics, bigots, and conspiracy theorists. So, like, it's it's hard to place the guy. I mean, this is this is a guy who's clearly center center right. Well, um, has he said anything since being hired? Like, hey, I, I have a different kind of politics that none of you even knew about, or like, what is? Has he said anything? Uh, he has complimented Elizabeth May. Um, uh, pretty much all he said uh, so far. I mean, officially, is that he's he met with May and he was very impressed with her. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, too. I mean, it's it's not like this is completely new territory for him. He uh, he worked with uh, Olivia Chow in her mayoral campaign in Toronto. She's a uh, 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 an NDP and actually the um, the uh, the wife of uh, Jack Layton, the uh, the former uh, NDP leader who who since uh, has passed away. Um, so I mean, he's worked, I guess, in a sense with the left in in that in that case. But he he was eventually fired from that campaign. Um, Anytime, I mean, it, it appears <laughs> anywhere he goes uh, since the the Jean Chrétien days, he sort of leaves and just leaves a trail of garbage behind him, and hmm. it it doesn't. It, he never really appears to have uh, a good impression on the people that he works with. So it's it's weird to hire someone like this, uh, especially when you have the Green Party, as you said, rising in popularity. And the assumption is, I mean, let's at least part of it is that. People have recognized that Elizabeth May, who's been the the longest-standing uh, party leader in Canada up to this point, um, that she's a a solid leader, and they have a solid platform that you know, especially when it comes to to climate change, and that there is the potential there to have a real voice in Parliament pushing for uh, real climate change legislation. And I'm not quite sure what they think 
Warren Kinsella is gonna gonna add to to the whole discussion. I mean, I do you think the, that the they have that a sort of? No, I'm sorry. sorry go ahead. The the idea is that he'll be um the defense for Elizabeth May. So that mm -hmm. that is apparently their intention for hiring him is that now that she's rising in, in popularity, that the party is rising in popularity, he'll sort of be there as uh, for defense tactics as opposed to going on the offensive. We're going to have to wait and see if that's actually the case, but that appears to be why, at least publicly, why they say they hired him. So it's not, I mean, I'm not quite clear on where the Green Party is going to go from this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds about right. And it's that dialectic of needing to professionalize, but then also like keep the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing. And in his case, I don't know anything about him, but it just seems to me from uh, from talking to you and looking into it a little bit that it's like he's bored. Yeah, <laughs> like wants yeah. to be in the game somehow. No, 100 uh, percent. Yeah. yeah, this is the guy that plays the game. He plays yeah. the game and this is part of his game. And by the way, uh, nicknaming yourself Prince of Darkness is uh, lame <laughs> as fuck. Uh, the final question I have for you. So yeah. sometimes on this show, we've, you know, we've covered really important things like First Nations activism in Canada. One of the things that's really distinct, definitely about what Bernie Sanders is doing is that it really is a campaign that is serving a sort of dual function as a presidential campaign and as a movement. Obviously a really similar dynamic with Corbyn and labor. And I think, and, and another reason actually that I focus on Brazil so much is I actually think that there is, at least in the inception of the Workers' Party and also Passal to, to a certain extent, there is a huge organic connection between things like the landless workers' movement. And so that we could see that like the kind of generation of tradition, and, traditional and uh, left-wing projects or social democratic projects that are trying to renew themselves in today's world is that connection uh, that sort of organic connection in and outside of electoral politics. And when you go mm -hmm. back to 2015 and you talk about how the leader, the then leader of the NDP was kind of moving somewhat, to, you know, moving to the kind of austerity wing on economics, you see the Green Party uh, dealing with the dynamics of rising in power. You know, it, it does go to those kind of questions. I. I don't I you know I think dismissing ele electoral politics is absurd but I also do want to have enough of a kind of big picture vision that we can see like well you know you're playing in if you have a left project you're playing in a limited capitalist terrain and it seems yeah. to be the only way to kind of shift that is activism is strikes yeah. is a bigger context so yeah. you know what do you think the prospects for that kind of energy like a jugmeet singh as an example do you think he's someone who can conceive of not just moving ndp to the left but connecting it with movements that are arising and, and are those movements there in canada see that's the the issue so that's part of the reason why i i just don't see the ndp being in any sort of power position at the end of this election there is no real solid vocal left movement in Canada right now. And I'm not sure what that's the function of. I mean, it could simply be because we, life isn't horrible for a lot of people in Canada. I, I, I don't want to say that, you know, Canada's, you know, we're not perfect. We have issues, of course, but we have universal health care that's relatively solid, depending on your province. Um, we have a situation where, you know, after 2008, we didn't quite experience the 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 crash that that Americans and and most of the world did, um, and it just we we haven't really felt the the uh, I guess the 
that class conflict that really you you can see uh, in America. I mean, whenever I visit the U.S., the the amount of of poverty that I see is just not what I experience in in Canada. Now, of course, look, there's going to be parts of Canada that that are going to uh, appear that way, or 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 at least in in some sense represent that sort of poverty that uh, I see in America. But it's just not close, and I think that's part of the problem. Is Unless there is some uh, a real fervor there for uh, the rise of the left and yeah and and that sort of movement towards left wing politics and and a more um uh, I mean embracing class conflict and really uh, ensuring that you know the wealthy pay their fair share and that we want to move towards a, a more solid climate policy and universal pharmacare and universal dental care, uh, dental care and really move in a direction that focuses on on people over the powerful and the wealthy until we see that activist movement i don't i don't quite see a uh, a left-wing party coming to power because we, we don't we don't have that yet and this is a discussion i had with uh, christo avalis on my show you should have him on your show as well actually he's a uh part of the ndp and he's brilliant guy a, a historian yes. and we will and be having i do i when i said a second thing uh i i haven't planned it yet but i will do something with him in the coming months as well yeah he's great so yep. yeah we had this uh, this uh, discussion too, and and he's more engaged in in you know uh, labor uh, labor rights and labor movements, and he sort of agrees with me that it's we don't quite have that here yet. Now that's not to say it's not going to rise, and we're not going to start seeing it, um, but because we don't have that massive activist uh, that that loud left flank, I don't quite see uh, the NDP or, or any uh, solidly left party coming to power in in Canada. Who are you leaning towards supporting this time? It's going to likely NDP. I mean, it, it's going to depend completely on the riding. And so, right. and this is what I tell everyone else too. Like, it really depends on where you are. If, if you're in a riding where it's going to be, you know, either, I don't know, the, the NDP or the liberals will then vote NDP. If you're in a riding that, say, the Greens are leading, say you're in, you're in BC somewhere, then ensure you, you vote Green. But it's, even in a situation where, I mean, if, if you're in a, in a riding, and there are ridings like this, where it's, it's solidly conservative or liberal, and there is no chance of an NDP uh, victory or no chance of, of a Green victory, then I think you can argue uh, that voting liberal in that scenario uh, does make sense. So I'm, I'm kind of of the mind of strategic voting. Mm -hmm. But that said, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't blame anybody for deciding to not vote liberal and going uh, with their heart and, and voting NDP. Because again, we're looking at a, uh, a system where we have multiple parties and we have the potential here for a minority government. And if we have a minority government, you're gonna want a strong left voice in, in that situation. And the hope is that there is the potential there for a coalition, potentially with the NDP and the Greens and the liberals. So yeah, uh, it all depends on your writing. Me personally, I'm sort of leaning to the NDP. David Zoll, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Everybody immediately go subscribe to the Rational National. It's great. I always enjoy David's perspective. Um, and uh, appreciate your time, man. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Thanks. All right, guys. We'll be back live 20 minutes or so for the main show.